What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it. The sports reporters we've assembled on an early, early Friday morning. I am joined as I am every single Friday morning with my good friends Bob Silverman up there in the northeast of the Daily Beast. Bob, good morning. How are you? Morning. <laughs> Up there in the Northwest for only a little bit longer, Andrew Hammond of the Detroit Free Press. Andrew, good morning. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. It's a morning. Yeah. Um, it's a morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's a morning. Um, no, I'm good. Uh, this is like basically my last morning uh, here in Washington. And so like 24 hours from now, I will be on my way to SeaTac Airport, and then I will be headed to Detroit in uh, in the afternoon. So, uh, yeah, good times. I'm excited. Detroit, for Rock City. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. I'm excited. For yeah, you, man. you're gonna and do then, great. And then, thank you, thank you. No, I, I appreciate somebody deciding. Oh, yeah, let's do a podcast right. in the morning, mm-hmm. and you know, completely forgetting that uh, somebody I don't know who kind of resembles me right. uh, has to be up. Uh, early for that. So, yeah. Um, I don't know who organized that crap, but you know, good for Look, them. Chase has a full spa day ahead of him. Yes. He is getting a mani-pedi. Right. He is uh, perhaps, you know, doing I a mud good mani-pedi. I don't like that. I don't like people touching my feet. That's not fun for me. I'm kind of, I'm not super ticklish, but like if you hit the right spot, you know, I might like, it might trigger something and I'll like, boom, hit you right in the fucking face. So, yeah. <laughs> I, it's just, it's a kind of touch that feels uh-huh. too personal and doesn't seem to require that level of grooming. I have nail clippers. I feel like I can take care of that. I feel like I don't need to hire a professional to do it for me. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? That's good stuff. That's good stuff. No, I, I'd like that, but I'm also the type that, like, if it's super relaxing, I will definitely fall asleep. And, yeah, you don't need me... Uh, falling asleep in a chair because like I'm a big dude so like you're gonna have to like kind of pick me up and if you can lift 245 pounds then good for you but I, I don't think that anybody working at a Manny Petty type place can can pick me up out of one of those chairs but they can try they can surely try what if the, what if they poke at you with a stick you mm. won't wake up like a long one to avoid it <laughs> wild <laughs> heaves of your fists Ooh, can I, take, it's my birthday weekend I'll can I do a story about poking things with a stick oh of lord course. yes okay so um, when I was in middle school I uh, went on a uh, trip to South Carolina Charleston um, for a week with one of my friends and another my best friend actually growing up and it was fun it's called the Isle of Palms and if you're familiar with the Isle of Palms there is a whole little lagoon that wraps around uh the resort and i like 
unsupervised 13 year old kids what are we gonna do we're gonna go looking for trouble you know we're gonna go looking for adventure and we went full hardy boys over here and we uh we went around and i found there was like some alligators that just chill out like they don't do anything they're just sitting there and there's a very obvious sign that says do not go under this bridge and go into the lagoon where the alligators are hanging out we're not responsible blah 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 and i was like you know I want to go see some alligator. So I decided to hop over the bridge and bet my friends that I would poke an alligator with the stick. And I uh, picked up a big bamboo one. There was a big bamboo one by the, by the area and got as close as I could to the alligator. Um, it was facing the water and I kid you not poked it a couple times with the stick. Then it looked and rolled. Have you ever seen an alligator do the roll thing into the water? Have you ever seen this? Yeah. Yeah. Most terrified I've ever been in my life because I thought it was going to go towards me and it decided to go do the roll to like scare me into the water. Mission accomplished. Ran as fast as I could. Hopped back over the bridge. Scared the shit out of me. But uh, that was uh, my poking of a stick story. I, I poked an alligator and it uh, chose not. It didn't choose violence. It's a great story, man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, did y'all see the video of the Bobcat guy this morning? Wait, what happened? You didn't see this. <laughs> y'all are not I'm, online. I'm anymore. sorry. I'm 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 a little occupied, Chase. What's what what's the video? There's a video of a guy like a bobcat coming out of nowhere on his ring um and attacking his wife and he just grabs it off his wife and just launches it across oh, his yard. Oh, is that the guy who basically like had like a box of donuts and he's about to get in his car? Yes. Okay, I literally just saw that video after you were talking while you were talking about your story. It's um, amazing. Yeah, I didn't know that was a bobcat. I thought that was just like a cat, a big ass cat. Or no, it's a bobcat. Can you imagine just in the moment? I don't know. I like to think of myself as like a. I would do anything to protect my lady, but I don't know if I'm ripping off a bobcat. I guess in the moment you'll find out. But... Oh wow! So you have so you have limits. <laughs> wow. Hey, Chase's lady, just know that if a bobcat comes, <laughs> um, there's probably gonna be like some. There's gonna be some trepidation. It's like, yeah, do I really want to take this? And she and, and she's like trying to have to fend off this bobcat. Wow. 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 You you kind of like. Would you instinctively rip it off? I mean, I would probably do it. It just wouldn't uh, yeah. go well. It just wouldn't go yeah. well. Like that dude ripped it off and was like staring at it and then threw it. But, like it was the manliest the, thing I've the, ever seen. But the fact that you basically went like, uh, do, do I want to do this? Yeah, that's buddy, pal, yeah, chief, buster. What you doing? Like without hesitation, you pull that thing off. I probably would in the moment. This is something I'm thinking too much about. <laughs> but in the moment, I think I'd rip it off. Bob, do you think you would? No. <laughs> wow. So we so we go from that's not great to pretty. That's actually worse. I, I like Bob's honesty. Bob, have you seen a bobcat? What's the weirdest animal you've seen in New York? I, I've told this story in another uh, pod, but I'll, I'll share it briefly. Uh, I once wrestled a bear. What? Yeah. So briefly. Uh, this was, I was living and, and working in Southeast Asia with my wacky experimental theater company. Um, and we got invited by this woman, uh, named, uh, 
Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williams, sorry, not the former candidate Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williams, who used to be the, the lighting and sound designer for uh, stadium rock shows in the 70s, like Kiss and Queen, and instead sort of uh, ran away to, nor- to, to northern Thailand to start a wildlife preserve. Long story short, she did it. Uh, on her wildlife preserve was a large, completely domesticated Asian black bear who she named Teddy. Teddy was about a thousand pounds. Very fat, very cuddly, very adorable. Uh, what like Teddy like? Yeah, exactly. Um, but and like you, Teddy liked to wrestle. Um, Teddy's version of wrestling wasn't, you know, he didn't wear tights or anything. Basically, what you would go is you would climb into Teddy's pen, and then you, and by you I mean me, would jump on his back and try to get him to to move. And you can't, because it's a thousand pound Asian black bear. And he would sort of waddle around his pen for a while with you riding on his back or trying to move him and stuff like that. You can't do anything. Fun fact, bear Uh fur, if it's not treated, is not all warm and cuddly like a bear skin rug. It's in fact uh, kind of unpleasant, like a stiff hairbrush. Who knew? Um... In any case, at a certain point, Teddy grows tired of you sort of lolling around on his back, and he decides to go on offense. And I have never seen a creature move this fast in my life. He snapped up at the drop of a hat to his hind legs and suddenly was his full height and sent me tumbling to the ground. And then before I could realize what happening, uh, the bear jumped on top of me. And he grabbed me with his snout on my jacket and was sort of shaking me around. And it was one of those moments that was so terrifying, I didn't have time to get scared. I was just, according to people who were watching, giggling uproariously and unable to stop laughing. Inside, I was screaming. But on the exterior, it was just laughter, 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 laughter. And in any case, eventually, Teddy grows tired of that. But that counts as a win for him. And he sort of lumbers off. Another fun fact, uh-huh. the bear's paws actually do look like a bear claw pastry, like the bottom of them. That is, in fact, an accurate representation huh. of a bear claw. Interesting. Andrew, yeah. in the Northwest, yeah. what have you seen? I feel like you've seen some crazy stuff. Um, Honestly, I haven't. Like, nothing like that's, like, out of the ordinary. It's like, oh, you know, your typical, like... Pacific Northwest kind of like creatures and whatnot. Like, I'm I'm trying to think of like so like being from the Midwest and being from the plains and 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 moving out here. It's like the same type of wildlife that you maybe expect. It's just kind of like, eh, okay, you know. It's once you've seen one, you've kind of seen them all. Um, I will say that one time we had, uh, so I was maybe nine, ten, something like that. We had these neighbors across the street. And I was at a, like a week and a half, two week long baseball tournament. We get home. We've been away for, like, my dad and I have been away for basically like two weeks almost. And I'm like, What's going on with John's house? Like, why are these why why are these tarps up? Little did we know, he was having he he basically was putting together a cockfighting ring. What? And and 
Yeah. Uh, so basically, <laughs> so basically, these roosters were, and he he just kept saying that he was, oh, I'm just farming roosters and and all that, and <laughs> my dad's like, ah, uh huh, uh huh, and I was like, dad. And mind you, I'm like nine or ten years old. I'm like, Dad, why would he like farm roosters? Like, wouldn't he just go to a farm? Like, hello, you know, logic for fifth graders. Um, <laughs> he was just like, yeah, um, there's this thing. And basically, he just explained to me, yeah, there's this thing called cockfighting. It's illegal. And he was like, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm sure others have. So I'll just, you know, leave it up to them. So, I mean, he had this thing for about a year, year and a half. I have to talk of, um, actually, no, he had it for about two, actually, two or three, two, two and a half, three and a half years. Um, I will have to talk off air about why that thing no longer existed. Because um, it's but, illegal? Uh, well, I mean. well, well, it's illegal, but let's just say that uh, the cops didn't come to didn't come to their house uh, one night because of that. Um, but seriously, one time I was outside mowing the lawn and two of his roosters got loose. And so we had like this big, big, big open area and it was by our house, which I was mowing. And I was riding, I was, you know, maybe 13. I'm riding the, um, I'm on the riding mower. And I'm just like, okay, either you move or I move. And literally, it was like a game of chicken where I moved maybe two feet forward. The roosters moved two feet forward. I moved a little closer. They moved a little closer. So what I did was I put the brake on and then just revved the engine as hard as I could. Those things bounced ASAP and I was like good good but um yeah I'm sure nobody wants to hear about roosters and cockfighting and mowing lawns let's talk about sports well yeah, let's talk I, I about the story about yeah. getting busted for something that getting uh, by the cops for something that was not illegal or was illegal but that's not why we'll, we'll, we'll talk about we'll the save that for another we'll day. talk about the crimes after the show <laughs> sure um, Bob, are the Mets ever going to stop yeah. doing embarrassing shit behind the scenes? I think it's it's escalated beyond embarrassing. Like embarrassing, I think would you'd put in the uh, trading away uh, two really good prospects who are succeeding with the Mariners in exchange for a washed Robinson Cano and uh, a, a easily combustible Edwin Diaz. This is just. <laughs> this I think could be filed under creating a toxic workplace that they either seem organizationally incapable of or unwilling to fix so uh, for those who missed it the athletic has another story on the Mets behind um, the off the actions of the Mets front office and yeah it seems like when you know it was one of those things when they hired Mickey Calloway, and reporting from the Athletic revealed that he uh, did some really really creepy and uncool things, sexually harassing uh, women. Um, creepy and uncool is also probably underselling it. Um, 
And the question, you know, you ask when you're middle of it, it's like, okay, well, wait a second. Was it, did they just not know? And again, not knowing is a choice. It's not just that they were, oh, we had no idea he was doing this. How could we have been expected to if we had known otherwise? Like you, if you want to know something, especially in pro sports, most of the time you can figure that stuff out. Um, Or did they just not really care about it? And this latest report, uh, it, it really makes it seem as though the people that they put in positions of authority in HR and elsewhere, well, their first job was to protect management and not the employees, which, boy, that's a, that's a rarity in professional sports. I've not heard of that before. Not to, again, not in any way to downplay it. It's just yet another depressing example of the way that <sighs> Labor gets screwed. Um, I, I, it, Alderson's comments, if you haven't read them, he basically described someone getting fired for being, for committing, uh, for being a creep in various ways. And again, I encourage everyone to read the article. Um, he described it as a capital offense. And it's one of those situations where, and this was something that it was always a problem for me with the Knicks, which was was like, I, I just want them to get better at lying to us. Like when they say, when Knicks PR would say incredibly stupid things like calling Charles Oakley an alcoholic or lashing out at Spike Lee or posting headshots of daily new, of Tribune executives when they uh, the daily the Daily News published a story they didn't like. It was like, guys, there's you screwed up. There are established protocols for how to handle this. Any half-decent crisis management PR firm will be able to tell you what those are. They're expensive, sure, but they're not incredibly difficult um, to find. Like, why don't you do that unless it's a choice? And someone needed to get sit Sandy Allison down and say, like, yeah, you don't compare a guy losing his job, possibly, or not losing his job for being a creep, to him being executed by the state. And it's one of those comments where, okay, maybe he got caught off guard, maybe he chose the wrong set of words, blah, 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 blah. But I think it's incredibly revealing as to his mindset. And honestly, I think uh, he probably should be relieved of his duties as president of baseball operations. He, he does not seem to me. Again, it's one of those issues where I'm like, why can't an executive lie to me better? Feels like both an incredibly low bar and an incredibly dehumanizing ask on everyone's part. But, buddy, there are people who will teach you how to do this. And if you refuse to hire those people or refuse to learn, then I think you got to go. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I don't know what else he has to do before it. It's like, why is Alderson still in charge here? Like, at one point, is it just like you just do a full on reshuffling? I don't understand the point here. Like, what, how much more there do we have were, to go there through? There were accusations of, of similar brotastic behavior at, at Cohen's other uh, businesses. This is not new for him. I, I could be complaining. If I gotten that wrong, I, I, I could Google. There was, uh, I believe. Um, and I'm not going to go do a deep dive and try to like exclude all the Mets sexual harassment claims from, you know, the other ones. But I, I, I think, uh, I think, uh, let me just put it this way. 
it, it seems like there were reportedly instances of a toxic workplace culture at Cohen's other businesses, too. Um, so, again, I, I, it does not seem like a new... This It feels like a pattern to me. Yeah. Um, you know, we every Mets fan in existence was like, oh, good. We have the relatively broke... Uh, extremely Long Island doofuses out of ownership. Everything's going to be fine. Whoops. Yeah, it's not good. Um, it's not good. Um, speaking of also not good, Alex Rodriguez's Instagram story. Did y'all see this last night? No, I don't pay attention to A-Rod. What the hell did he do now? Well, you know, <laughs> well, you know him and J-Lo yeah. broke up. Yeah, um... Uh, for for one, I am shocked that mm. two people that are narcissistic as hell uh, did not work out somehow. Wow, um, color me shocked. Well, he ha- he's handling the the breakup pretty normally. Shout out to Defector with this great blog about it because I would not have known about Arod's uh, Instagram story until I saw this. But it's it's legit. He had a soundtrack to uh, with Coldplay's "Fix You." Tagged his now ex fiance. No. And posted a little heart on it and has like a oh, shrine of J Lo in his room. Like, oh, God. It's weird. It's, uh, the, it was the, a weird the, one. The more you talk, the worse it got. Oh, <laughs> God. He's oh, had a weird week, God. man. He just bought the Timberwolves and J Lo and him broke up. Like, A Rod's going through it. Anthony Edwards doesn't know who he is, which was like the most endearing thing I. It was both endearing and also just like, man, we are, we are getting older. That there, I, I yes. also don't. But my first instinct was like, I don't, blo- I don't believe him. Like, there's just no way you don't know who Alex Rodriguez is. And I'm like, well, he is only what twenty, and I'm trying to think how long has A Rob been gone. And I'm like, I guess that makes sense. Like, it yeah, really for, does yeah, make sense. If you if you weren't exposed to the sport of baseball, you know, early on. You really don't know who A Rod is. Like you just you you associate A Rod with, or if you don't watch the game, you associate A Rod with, you know, MLB on Fox or MLB on or on Squawk Box or any other number of fine CNBC. Oh yeah, that's here. right. I forgot. Every time he's on that show, oh, he's on that show uh, all the time. He shows up all the time in a nice suit, smiling. And talking in an incredibly vague and general way about investments and investing strategies. Oh, so normal. Yeah, it's just... I would read the hell out of a blog deep, like reviewing all of A-Rod's appearances on various CNBC programs. Because they're just... Die. They are bizarre and downright... Boring? They, they're... They're straight out of the Tim and Eric extended cinematic universe, I think is the best way to describe them. He practically works for Cinco. That's like, what A-Rod is. He's a Cinco if, employee. Like, if you think about it, if you put A-Rod and Derek Jeter in the same clubhouse, which actually happened, yeah, <laughs> like, there is a... Like, Derek Jeter has the charisma of a number two pencil. Um... He's just a boring guy. Then you have, I know, like, anybody from New York listening to this is like, oh, fuck you, man. What are you talking about? I love Jeets. Um, <laughs> but A Rod is just this 
vacuum of charisma that's just like, yeah, I I want to protect my image. Yeah, but A-Rod, like, your image is kind of ass. Um, and yeah, like, I just... Can you imagine basically rejecting the offer of Kevin Garnett for the Timberwolves? <laughs> and then you decide to get Alex freaking Rodriguez. Okay, cool. Yeah, one guy has his one guy has his jersey retired there. The other guy, I think his last appearance in Minnesota was maybe the twenty ten or two thousand nine yeah, playoff. Actual quest for for sports team ownership is is truly quixotic and, and hilarious. And I can't believe he said, "Well." How about how about how about one of the NBA teams that very few people outside of Kevin Garnett really care about? Or or he couldn't he he probably couldn't get in on either Orlando or Miami <laughs> ownership. No, Miami is locked down. Arison's going to keep yeah. that that throughout. Oh, for sure. Generations for sure. of Aris of are going to own that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So and it's like the DeVos family is too damn money hungry to to let go of anything with the magic. So yeah, it's kind of like, hey, I'm going to it's like the next team who who's up for sale, I'm going to I'm going to go all in on it. And the Minnesota Timberwolves just kind of stumbled through the door. <laughs> and he's like, "You know what? Let's do it. Let's let's do this. I want to see A-Rod's face in two and a half years when They've only had one season where they've tried to, where they've been like a legitimate, you know, last two seed contender for the playoffs. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns all of a sudden realizes his value. And it's like, you know what? <laughs> I'm leaving. Um, yeah. yeah, I want to see A-Rod's face then. Like, I feel, I, I feel like that would be pretty Well, fun. the NBA's on a bad streak here because you have Vivek. You have uh, the Houston guy, uh, Tillman. What? Uh, Fertitta. Yeah. I like to call him Tillman Fertitta. Yeah. And the other guy who's A Rod's partnering with, Bob, do you know anything about him? Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings. A four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. No. The Home Depot guy? I, I know. No. no. I don't know. Um, so we'll see. You but know, in- I, it's, it's funny enough. I was watching, uh, it was on Basic Cable last night, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Basic Cable uh-huh. because I, I pay for it in order to watch various sports teams, which is a and it's very expensive and I feel like I have to get my money's worth from watching a lot of AMC or Paramount.com movies with commercials in them or, or TBS else. with King of Queens yeah 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 like that too um, and I was watching Moneyball last night mm. 
Um, and boy, does that not hold up. Really? Boy, does that movie not hold up. It's just, I'm sitting here like, <clears throat> the entire plot of the movie is you have a slightly different way of evaluating ball players, And the entire point is you are celebrating the fact that you are driving down their value because other people don't recognize it. And you are able to win while not paying them what they're worth. And it's just from a labor perspective, from my red diaper baby perspective, I'm like, I'm glad you lost Brad Pitt. (laughs) It's like, oh, it's this noble revolution against the dinosaurs of baseball. It's like, screw you. And how did that work out, motherfucker? Yeah. I mean, there was... What someone put, I, I forget who wrote the blog, and my apologies to the person who did. If I could dig it out of my Google history, I will hopefully include it in the link. There's a very smart blog that I wrote this. We don't need to be talking about your Google history, Bob. All right, fine. Everything's on private. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I can find it. Um, which is that, look, it was, oh, it was someone who was writing about watching. It was a, an Uproxx blog. I remember now. It's an Uproxx blog by Vince Mancini. who was talking about watching golf. And the advanced statistics that were being uh, put on screen and by the commentators during the Masters. And about how, yeah, all of the, the, the entire analytics revolution, which wasn't really a revolution, over the last 20 years. Yes, there are all kinds of ways in which we are, we fans, are better able to understand and appreciate the sports that we enjoy watching through these numbers but these are not numbers meant for fans these are numbers meant for people who for whom sports is their job it is their job to understand it most of the time those numbers don't help we fans understand it what it has done is taught us to root for the guys like Brad Pitt in Moneyball in the general manager's office and to identify with them as opposed to the actual players. And that tectonic shift in terms of fan identification and fan appreciation and the notion that if you don't understand what are basically like number crunching and data regression tools for management, somehow you are lesser than as a fan. You are uninformed. You are a mere rube who likes to watch the bright, shiny objects, which could not be more wrong. And that shift has resulted in all kinds of, I think, incredibly negative things for sports as a whole. And especially for for sport, when you're talking about sports as a product that is bought and sold and commodified, it is an infernal little trick that the devil pulled, as embodied by Brad Pitt in the movie Moneyball, which by the way, it's just a bad movie. He just sits around whining and moping the entire time. I, I skipped ahead and I just wanted to watch the scenes where Philip Seymour Hoffman plays Grumpy Art Howe, because those are the best scenes in the whole movie. Can um, we just talk about how Art Howe is not that fat in real life? No, like, he's, a, he's a former Marine and was very svelte and chisel-jawed, and he was made out to be the one of the many idiot rubes for whom that that could not appreciate Brad Pitt's khaki-clad genius. And that was really unfair to Art Howe. Incredibly, yes. incredibly unfair to Art Howe. Like, you know who really could have played Art Howe in that movie? 
Kurtwood Smith. Like he would have that would have been perfect. That's a good Kurtwood Smith part. Yeah. Yeah. And also appeared in that seventies show, a favorite program of Chase's. Yes. <laughs> um but no, I, I you know, here's the thing about Moneyball. It is this, you know, whole romanticism about how can you make baseball better and how baseball, you know, this this different way of making a I'm sorry, is sitting, sit, sitting in the box, grinding out walks in order to rack up 100 pitches from the starter, is that making for a more enjoyable baseball product for or, me? Here's my thing. Viewer? Here, here's and, and I said this on a pod. I remember saying this on a pod. Actually, no, it was my radio show. I said this on my radio show when Moneyball came out. I said, oh, it's cute and cuddly. And it, it, it's, it is a Disney movie that doesn't want to be a Disney movie. But you know what ends up happening in the end? The Yankees and the Red Sox basically just say, yeah, uh, hey, take your system, and then you just, like, punt it, you know, 70 yards away. Okay, cool. I, I yeah. say this about basketball all the time. Like, there there are no more Jamal Crawfords. And there's literally there's no more Jamal. Like, Jamal Crawford couldn't get a job this year. He hung Which around. sucks. Which sucks. I miss inveterate NBA guards shooting off the dribble 20 footers. That's a terrible shot. We have all been thoroughly educated about why an off the dribble 20 footer in isolation from Jamal Crawford or any other stylist of his er of his ilk is a bad shot. But that is cool. Jamal Crawford is cool. It is fun to watch Jamal Crawford. And Jamal Crawford doesn't exist in the NBA anymore. The closest example was DeMar DeRozan, and they drummed all the stylistic individuality out of him until they made him a highly efficient player. Like, efficiency as the be-all and end-all is absolutely a management tool to destroy what made people love sports in the first place. I know, I'm sounding like the most retrograde uh, caveman dragging my knuckles and inveighing against... Uh, everything about modern basketball. There are things about modern basketball that are so much better. Like, watch a game from 20 years ago, and you will be stunned as to how different basketball is now. So, But, uh, like, I miss the stylists. I miss, like, Steve Francis, Baron Davis, Jamal Crawford, the guy, Stephon Marbury, the guys who did not always do the most efficient thing, but were so honking cool about it like those guys can't live in the nba anymore there is no room for them and like even more than the death of the low post big the 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 inveterate like all like all of the 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 the, the descendants of michael jordan and kobe bryant who weren't as good as michael jordan or kobe bryant the true like conscienceless gunner those guys are gone or they're just shooting 30 footers and everyone smiles and nods and says okay that's fine look don't get me wrong Damian Lillard hitting a 30-footer, extremely cool and fun, and that I like. But I am I am lamenting the thing that I liked when I was a kid. Wow, shocker. That's also what everyone does. And I could be entirely wrong. But well, you, 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 you've made solid points. I just think about that, was it the Wizards and Warriors, what was it, a week or a week and a half ago? Steve, Steve Kerr draws up this beautiful play that gets an open uh, layup, either, or he gets contested layup, which basically it would end with, if he lays it up and in, they win. 
if he gets fouled, uh, he goes to the line. If he gets fouled and they don't call it, you have a you know you have an absolute gripe and, and, and a right to complain with the officials. The dude kicks it out for a three. And I'm just like, you only you're only down one. Why yeah, are you yeah, kicking? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a result of, yeah, I get three pointers are what is needed these days, but sometimes you just wanna go, you know what? Drive to the basket. Or yeah, it's just You know what play I miss? Uh, I miss two guys out on a fast break doing the tic-tac-toe passing between one another until one ends up with a layup at the rim. Oh, yes, yes. I, that, play I doesn't, that, that play rarely happens anymore because when a guy gets out in transition, the wings all scoot to the three-point line, or, which is the or correct is the... thing to do. It's this thing of, like, I am going to rail against efficiency and doing the right thing. I want people to do the wrong thing beautifully. That, or, to me, is what makes sports fun for me. I just, uh, my thing is... I get three pointers, and the game has changed. I get how we've evolved. After a while, though, it's just kind of like let's not try and erase the basic fundamentals of the game, like getting to the basket, you know, stuff like that. Where, yeah, you were talking about that that two on one fast break. That could easily end with an alley-oop or that tic-tac, you know, back and forth that ends in a layup. But yes, a wide-open three it's in just, transition is a better, more efficient shot. It's so And I weird don't care. I don't stupid. care that it's better and more efficient. I don't care that the expected points per possession metric clearly points to a dude scooting into the corner for an open three. The, the thing that, that they did before was more fun for me. I don't, and as I, I don't, I feel like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, we don't mind analytics and they help tell a story, but if you're going to sit there and bring out and bust out your calculator and come up with, you know, this Pythagorean theorem of efficiency and work rate in the post, and when I can literally just pass the, pass the guy the ball, he lays it up and in, okay, that's two points. Like, like you, you want to come up with this magical formula of how to create the perfect two-point play. Yeah, Efficiency necessarily leads to homogeneity, and that's not fun. That's not cool. Like, one of the fun things about this year's Knicks, which is just a very, very strange sentence to say out loud, one of the fun things about them is that they're not a particularly... They're not a particularly modern team. Um, the best and coolest play that they have is Julius Randle going like deep into his bag and shooting a fadeaway 20-footer or 15 to 20-footer straight out of the Zach Randolph school of girthy big man moves. And it's... Again, it's not – I think he's shooting something – again, I'm not going to pull a basketball reference again, but he's shooting something like – he's shooting like 41% on long twos. So it's not a killer shot. It's not a great shot. It's probably not even the best shot that the Knicks could generate on any given offensive possession. But I'm sorry. Him making these like pseudo Dirk Nowitzki one-legged shots is extremely cool and fun. 
They are, you know, they are a grinded out defensive team. They, when Julius Randle plays like an all-world player, they have a good shot of winning. When he doesn't, they're kind of boned. But like the fact that they haven't built that they haven't just said, okay, we're going to play Randall at center, absolutely punt on defense, and just surround him with shooters and try to outgun the Nets. To me, that's fun because it's different, at least. It is a clash of styles when you say, when you watch a Knicks team play, uh, I don't know, fill in the blanks for whichever modern like offense you want to you want to put in. The Nets are different because they're kind of weird and injuries have forced them to experiment in all kinds of cool and funky ways, including like having... 6-4 Bruce Bowen function as their Clint Capella. It's it's like but I I am against orthodoxy and homogeneity as a matter of principle. Well that's that is how we will end this episode guys cuz I got to I got to go. I got to travel. I got to I got to go. So thank you as always my friends. Thank you Andrew especially for getting up early. His last early early morning podcast with us because he will be closer to our time zone. The the elite central time zone. Time zone no, I, no, uh it's in the eastern time. Is it zone. really? Yeah. I didn't know Detroit was Detroit the is? Yep, it's in the uh, eastern time zone. I didn't know that. Yeah, because I I've, I've been working for the last month and a half on uh, eastern time, so yeah. Well, what I mean, you really know. I'm not denying. Yeah, that's that, wild. You know, I never would have thought that. That's great. I, yeah, I, I thought that too. I, I thought that too, but I I learned quickly that it is not. Huh. The more you know. Well, for that yep. guy up there in the northeast, Bob Silverman. For that guy temporarily in the northwest, soon to be the central, the the plains, the 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 great plains, the central, the forgotten, the rust belt. The, 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 the midwest the midwest. midwest yeah i think that's what they call it too um the and- rust belts <laughs> and for myself down here in knoxville tennessee that is all i've got guys thank you as always for making the time and we'll be back next week all right welcome back it's the Atlanta Sport guys coming to you early on a Friday morning, uh, traveling today. So we're doing this early on a Friday. Uh, I am here as I am every single Friday with the new number one favorite of this podcast because not Let's only go. did he get a microphone, he was ready to go early on this morning. He was primed, ready to go, stacking his books in his mom's bookshelf that is just the leaning tower of Pisa thing going on that still is giving me anxiety just thinking about it. It's Max Markovich. Max, good morning, sir. How are you? Look at the things we'll do for, for your birthday weekend. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> it. Ready to roll. Well, I also found out... I, it's I, just I, for you, Chase, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. And that guy right there, Garrett Chapman, is also here. Garrett, good morning. How are you? Good morning, my friend. Good morning. Good morning. I'm glad I was able to get in here. Uh, it was, yeah, it's been a morning. <laughs> you got some work to do. You got some work to do. Max is ready to go. He is, uh, he's all in, and he was, he was primed and ready. He's even, he's just going above and beyond this morning for my birthday weekend. So I, I appreciate that. It's good to know where some of uh, people's priorities lie on this podcast and where others lie. Brutal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of brutal. The Hawks-Bucks game last night. Let's do Hawks first, and then we'll get to the Braves. Because the Braves are more of a... I, I think that's going to be more of a longer conversation. Um, 
Where are we at with the Hawks since last Friday? I mean, they're playing good basketball. I mean, they've won mo- the the majority of their games this, this past couple, this past week. Uh, I mean, you just they played all they played a, a very good Bucks team that was pretty much at full health. I don't think Giannis was actually at one hundred percent, but I mean, they I mean they, they looked fine. They played really hard basketball in the third quarter, and then it just kind of fell apart in the second half of that. Uh, the well, second part of the second half, second half of that, and. I, it was just a little frustrating to see that, but at the same time, Trey Young did not look at 100%. Uh, and honestly, I, I, we're, what, six players down? So mm-hmm. I, I think that kind of finally came to fruition. And, uh, I mean, you're playing a, a really good Bucks team. I mean, that really showed, like, hey, we still have some work to do. We're, we're going to be fine. We're going to be a playoff team. We show that we can run with them, but I, I don't think we're, we're there yet. This is the first loss with the MLK jerseys, isn't it? Yeah, I think we're eight and one or seven and one. Mm. They tried to they tried to bring the magic back with those jerseys. <laughs> that would be funny though if that was the idea behind it. Like if that they, just, they really only. <laughs> well, the Pope wear those. blessed him after the Pope blessed him. We've just been almost undefeated. We've been undefeated in them. That's wild, Max. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, I texted y'all last night. I think that that loss. Uh, maybe says even more than than some of these Hawks wins, which have come, you know, admittedly over over some uh, mediocre Eastern Conference teams. But I I was um, I was curious because there's all been all this talk about Nate McMillan and just about how good the Hawks actually have been since he took over, um, and whether it's sort of a product of their schedule um, or, or all these different things. Um, but they're they're 14 and six since the All Star break, and since then they're fourth in effective field goal percentage, fifth in offensive rating. 15th in defensive rating and 7th in net rating, only behind only the Sixers and the Bucks in the East. Um, and so we talk a lot about, like, you know, these cheap wins and, like, oh, you know, 4th in the East, what does that really mean? Um, it's a legitimately good basketball team that has, I think, a chance to be even better than good if they ever get healthy. It's, like, it's tough watching that Bucks game last night because it's, like, man, you know, I'd like to see that game with DeAndre Hunter, John yeah. Collins, and Cam Reddish to be able to throw at Giannis um, instead of just Solomon Hill, who, by the way, played great. I was going to say, Solomon um, Hill's awesome. I love Solomon Hill. I mean, Bogdan was awesome, but I... Bogdan you know, was a leader. Throwing Bogdan at, My at leader. Giannis, but... My leader, if you will. Um, and also, this Your was leader. like the Bogdan revenge game, because remember, he should have been a buck. Like, that whole oh, thing yeah. falling through. Like, oh, yeah. true. He should have been a buck. Line. Classic tampering whoopsie. From uh, John Horst <laughs> in Milwaukee, but um, yeah, no, that that was wild. But he had what twenty eight, ten of twenty shooting, six of twelve from three. Like his shooting is just that dude is healthy, and it, that's the other thing too that I've realized about this season with certain guys where I've just all jot down notes where I'm like, we really just can't be hard on anybody because like you see the Jamal Murray injury, you see the amount of injuries that are piling up for all stars where it's just like going from the bubble to this and just thinking about where these guys are with their legs with where they are at just physically I, I just we can't discount it and Bogdan just is finally healthy and it's just a difference for all these guys so we really just don't know what anyone's health is and that can explain a lot of things that frustrate us but Bogdan just becoming the kind of guy that we paid for um it's huge like Bogdan is just I'm, I'm all in I, I did not think we would get this good but um I'm all in I mean it, but this is also why you take a lot of lot of chances right in free agency because like chris dunn's been a zero uh rajon rondo was terrible and then you nail bogdan this is why you do multiple 
versions of this because it's just like if you just go with like the Braves where you just have one or two and you let Melanson go and you don't go all in and you're just like oh we got Morton we're good now we did Smiley we did Morton we're good but the Hawks were like no we did Gallinari we did Bogdan we did uh like I said Chris Dunn we did Ronda we, we've added a bunch because we understand that the like at least half won't work so it's just uh you gotta give yourself some room for air and uh the Braves have no room for air right now, and the Hawks do, and I think that's in, is important. Is that a fair characterization, Max? Is it, is is that you starting to rationalize the Hawks offseason? It is. I think that's, it's starting. I think it, that's it, a first. I know. I know. Uh, this is where I'm at. I I I am a and I I will admit when I am wrong about certain things, guys. Um, I <laughs> part of turning thirty, I want to turn the other cheek. I turned thirty on Sunday. I want to make sure in my old age that I am uh, more accepting of my flaws as a human being and my shortcomings. And that is a shortcoming for me, is just the the stubbornness and just uh, coming full circle <laughs> and admitting that I was wrong about something. And I was wrong about that. this. Was I wrong so about the Luka trade? Absolutely not. Is it the worst trade in Atlanta sports <laughs> history? Of course it is. I will die oh, on this hill. I will die. And seeing Luka fall over and hit a game winner this week, just falling over. It, it it won't it won't ever sit well with me. I, I just want to fall over like I did at Ten Lizzie's that fateful night when the Hawks <laughs> traded the pick. Never forget it. However, I will move forward on the Hawks offseason of adding a bunch of talent to keep this team afloat during a crazy season where injuries yeah. are high. I I will say that like there's also a broader conversation to be had here about the quality of play in the NBA this season for all the reasons you outlined, which is to say, you know, quite bad. If you went down the list of guys in the NBA who didn't play um, basically every night at this point, uh, just don't play, um, star guys, um, I think it speaks to sort of this regular season getting to a crawl. Um, but my hope is that basically all, all I hope for is that the Hawks are healthy and enter a playoff series and get some real experience and maybe win a playoff series this year um, with all their guys so they can really see what they have here. But yeah. I mean, I think I think Garrett and I have been pretty pretty optimistic about the roster all year. Yeah. Um, it's just been a matter of like, can that all come together at one time? And um, you know, it isn't even coming together. One after winning games, they're supposed to win. Yeah, and it's just patience. I mean, that's really the biggest thing. I mean, this team's going to be absolutely fine. I, I'm not I'm not terribly worried about it. Um, and it's, it's really just a product of this condensed basketball season. I mean, they've had games that have just been playing back to back. We had that awful road trip. We played eight games on the road and it was just an unprecedented road trip. It, that that's not something that happens in any other year. It's just that this year has just been hyper condensed to, to just extreme levels. And you're seeing the injuries pile up around the NBA. Uh, it's just been kind of a brutal year. Um, but, I mean, look, this isn't a championship year for the Hawks. I mean, I don't think anybody's foolish enough to think that. But, um, I mean, unless we have some magical run like the Heat did last year. But, I mean, this is still a good basketball team. We're just still trying to figure out our identity because these guys just haven't played together. Um, I mean, it's just a product of injury. And I think patience is the name of the game. This team's going to come together eventually. Uh, and I think Nate McMillan's the guy to do it. I th- I'm, I'm just about ready to hand him a contract. I mean, like, mm, yeah. I don't know what else he has to do. I mean, he's defeat, he's beat the teams he needs to beat, and and he's played hard against teams that he shouldn't beat. Uh, I think he's only really been blown out like once or twice, and that was like on the the, the Nuggets game 
where we were playing on the second half of a back-to-back on the game five of our eight-game road trip. Like, I don't think that anyone expected the Hawks to win that game or that they were going to get blown out at least once against that incredible opposition that they were playing. Uh, but Nate McMillan, he's, deser- he's deserving of a contract, and yeah. I really want to see what else he can do with this roster, and that's win a playoff game, maybe a couple and potentially a series. Uh, that's really the goal for the season, and I think the Hawks are perfectly capable of that. You guys you guys want to know my goal for the rest of the season on the podcast? Oh, what's that? I want to I want to build the case. Uh, Garrett said the Hawks are not a championship team this year. Oh, and no. <laughs> but oh, no. I want to I want to get to the point in my own head where I can build the case that the Hawks could win the East. Okay. Uh, um d- is Brooklyn just like disbanded? It's like, already I- formulated. I mean, Brooklyn's not infallible like they, like no. in terms in terms of health, in terms of Durant and Kyrie, I mean the, the case has to rest on like KD not being healthy and all that. But I think it's KD the Hawks and beat them. one of Kyrie Harden not being healthy. All right, well Kyrie's not. No, exactly. the Hawks. The Hawks beat them. The, the Hawks beat both Kyrie Irving and Kevin not Durant. Not the But I'm team. saying not in the playoffs. I understand series. that. I understand <laughs> I'm that. Saying, I'm just saying Ky- Kyrie's not exactly the most reliable of superstars um, right now. I don't know why you say that. <laughs> I can't stand and, Kyrie Irving. I'll go on record and say that I can't stand the guy. Yeah, I mean, well, oh, that's a separate God. discussion. But but yeah. KD, you know, KD. I don't I don't think anyone's talking enough about uh, KD's recovery and kind of how concerning the season's been for his long term um, prognosis. He just came um, back and dropped thirty four. Like you know. he's fine. KD is good. No, no, no. He's <laughs> he's KD. He's he's totally fine if he's healthy. Yeah. Uh, are we sure he can stay healthy? I think he's just. I think he's going super precautious until the, uh, till the playoffs. Like it's the same thing. Like right. he he knows where his money is made and he knows what the season's all about. He's just trying to get there. He's pulling the Ka- Kawhi Leonard method. That's really what he's doing. I mean, that's Kawhi too. Where it's, saying it's, it's I mean, on the, the table. The thing about Kawhi is that it's been reported that like he will never be fully healthy. Like his body will never be fully right. Like he can never play a full <laughs> season if you want him ready for the playoffs. Like his body would if he was playing 82 games for the last 3 years, like he'd retire. Like he's already out of the league. Like he cannot He's got he's got to recharge his battery, you know? Well, it's not even recharging his battery. It's like his body <laughs> will break down. Like his body cannot handle what he's doing. Like his like his knee stuff and everything. Like he can't get through it. Like he We need cannot. some WD-40. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's he, that's why you signed Paul George. I'm making robot jokes, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it is 9.39 a.m., Garrett. We don't have time for robot jokes. We don't have time. Speaking of we don't have time. He's a cyborg, dude. Yeah. Before Max, no, Max 10 more Max. minutes on the Hawks winning a title in 2021. Hey, hey, hey. I said I'm building the case. I'm uh-huh. building the case. It's getting there. Oh, my God. Man. What a I just want to win a series, man. I just want to win a series. If I can do that, then I'm, I'm feeling good. Oh, well, we already have my screenshot this How about a game? How about a game? We, didn't, we, we didn't talk about Chase predicting a sweep. Should I, should I bring yeah, that up? Sure. The I, yeah, I, if we get the heat in round one, the Hawks are getting swept. Like, Jimmy Butler and Bam, they're, like, when they throw uh, Bam, uh, Jimmy Butler, um, Andre Iguodala, uh, probably Kendrick Nunn on, and then someone else. I'm trying to think who else they're going to throw. Oh, Victor Oladipo if he's healthy. Like it's just the Hawks are getting wrapped up, and the offense is gonna gonna sputter. Trey's not gonna have a fun time, and it's uh, gonna be gonna be painful. Uh, the, the Heat are sweeping the Hawks if we get the Hawks in round one, or they, we get the Heat in round one. That that's what my prediction was. 
mean, I definitely don't like the matchup, but Sweep I don't like is it at all. Harsh. Jimmy Entre is going to be a nightmare. All right, that, 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 that series goes seven. Oh, I mean, I would Ooh. love that. That'd be fun. I, I I don't want yeah. I, I don't I want to be wrong about this I want to be wrong about this but the Heat scared the shit out of me in round one. You know I just want playoff basketball. Yeah, that's that's really what I want. God, I miss it. I, I, playoff basketball hasn't been to Atlanta in what six years, five years. Hey, we were, we were complaining about the Joe Johnson era. Like the what? How many years in a row did we make the playoffs? Because it was right behind the Spurs. What well, was it? Joe Johnson was only here for like three of those, and well, then no, we had, we were like, second to the Spurs. Yeah, Second was longest it? active spe- streak. Was it? it was from 2007 or 2008 to like 2016 or something. Okay. Did it start with the Zaza like year? Yeah, oh, Zaza, yeah, Zaza. Zaza. That's the year he like headbutted at one of the Celtic players. Yeah. Okay. Game seven. Oof. Game seven. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> oh at God. that game. I was at were game you really? six. Yeah. Dude. That was awesome. We were, hmm. what, 3-0 and at home and then just got absolutely destroyed whenever we went to Boston. <laughs> Wow. Um, and happier news. The Braves won yesterday. Dansby continuing his clutch thing that I'll never understand, but I'm, I'm here for. I'm here for Dansby <laughs> in the clutch. Um, for whatever reason, I believe it. Um, it almost went away because Travis Darno got some bad calls at the plate, but I think, and he talked to the, the up about it on his strikeout in the bottom of the ninth, and I was like, oh, no, this is this is bad, and uh, got around it. Um Albies, good walk, and to walk in the tying run and everything. I'm still worried about Albies. I'm still worried about this lineup a little bit, but Braves, 5-8. and eight, um, Per Fangraph still has a 50% chance of making the playoffs. Um, I'm not hitting the panic button with Atlanta, but I do think, and this was something I said before the season, it's like, nah, it's still pseudo-contention. Like, they still need a lot of stuff to break their way. Um, the rotation not being healthy, not having Soroka yet hurts a lot. Uh, Freed being the worst starter was not something I had on my scorecard going into the year, but Freed's been awful. Like there's just no way around it. Like if he's not healthy, that is what it is. Um, but he has an FIP right now of 6.31. His ERA is 11.45, but FIP I use better. I just think it's a better indicator of where a pitcher is. Like he's bad. Like he has been bad and three starts. We'll see what happens. People are freaking out about the bullpen, but I'm like, uh, I'm more worried about Smiley, Freed, and Anderson at the moment than uh, the bullpen. Josh Tomlin, I'm here for. That dude's going to be 67 and still pitching gems when he's asked to come in. Love me some <laughs> Josh Tomlin. Will Smith's been great. Um, I'm a Will Smith guy. Um, Tyler Madzik, I like. Um, but I don't know. I, I am concerned about the, the rotation. I'm concerned that uh, Panda is number two in war through 13 games for the Braves lineup, <laughs> but I love Panda. Yeah. Panda's awesome, but not sustainable. Um, what is sustainable? It's Ronald Acuna's two net two eighty WRC plus. I think that is sustainable. His seven home Ooh, runs. 1.5 OPS. Yeah. Like just, Oh, uh, I mean, he is out of this world. Like where would this team be? I think, are they like two in two and 11 without Acuna? Like if he was just out, like, I don't, I, Oh my God, he is doing everything. Um, he is like, you know what would be cool? He's like if Ender Ender Inciarte could do anything. Like he that is that's um that's cool. Like because Ender Inciarte is uh let's see here uh the worst player of, of all time. That is uh my notes. That is about <laughs> hey Ender no Inciarte. he scored he scored the game time run. He did. It's in his notes. It's in his uh-huh. notes. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> God, I I hate that like contract so much. Just the, when he squared up for up. a damn bunt yesterday. Yeah. On the first pitch, uh, like he's the first guy up, and I just remember groaning to myself. I was like, "Oh 
God. And then he squares up for a damn bunt. And I about I about just tossed my computer. I was watching on my computer at the office, and I about tossed my computer off the side of my desk. But then he, he like, obviously, he, he got a base hit. It was actually a beautiful hit, but um, no, it was, that was, that guy can't stand that guy. Garrett, where are you at right now with the Braves? Where is your panic button meter? Um, I was actually at the game on our Max Fried start on Tuesday, and um, my buddy, <clears throat> who's like a big Braves fan too, he he was sitting there. He was real pissed off. I mean, he his his panic meter is a lot higher than mine is. I, I'm I'm not worried about it. I, I think that this team will come around. It's a, it's still a young baseball team. I think Jeff Francoeur was talking about that yesterday. Um, and one thing that this team over the past three years has had is is just the magic in the last couple of innings, it just sent me, it just seemed to come easy for them. Um, and that really hasn't happened this year. They've actually fallen apart more often than not. And they haven't had those clutch moments outside of last game. And I think that is something that was really something we could take forward into this Cubs series is that, hey, we have the magic. We we actually won a game uh, in, the, in the last couple of innings because our, our pitching fell apart, but then our offense stepped up. And I think that's something that we had a couple of, like, the last couple of years, but we didn't have it to this point in the season. Um, and it's going to come around because this is a young baseball team, and there's a lot of talent on this baseball team. I mean, Dansby Swanson, he's going to come around. Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, you can't expect those guys to keep hitting in the 200s. Those guys are like the low 200s or high 100s. I mean, like, it, it's just, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. But we're also talking about the defending NL MVP. He didn't, he didn't win that in a fluke year. He's been Mr. Consistent for the Atlanta Braves, but that doesn't mean he's going to have a cold streak. you know. And it just so happens that everybody's cold at the same time. But maybe that means everyone's going to get hot at the same time. You never know. It's baseball. It's a 162-game marathon. And you never really know what to expect from a week-to-week basis. But, I mean, look, this team is a very talented team the the pitching's going to come around. I'm not wor- I'm not terribly worried about it. I'm a little bit more worried about the bullpen because I think we've seen the product of having the the smaller bullpen. Injuries happen, and if injuries happen, you need to be able to f- fill those voids. And I don't think the Braves have been able to adequately do that. Um, and I think I expect that the Braves are going to make some moves in free not in free agency rather, but uh, in the trade market. Uh, I would not be surprised to see them bring in some sort of relief pitching. But I mean, I'm not I'm not hitting the panic button yet. I'm I'm far from that. Max, what about you? Yeah, um, yeah, panic uh, still not there. Um, I I, um, I would say that that yesterday's win, you know, as big of an April fifteenth win as as you can get, um, you know, maybe that's also hyperbolic, but it felt like a big win. Um, it felt like a step forward. Um, it, it, I just think it's you know. I think the lineup will come around. I mean, I'm not worried about the lineup. The Braves are 10th in runs scored, um, but they're 26 in batting average and balls in play. Um, Freddie's Freddie's batting average on balls in play is 147. I mean, um, just things that will not continue. Um, I do think it's kind of fun at this point to, to sort of stop and and uh, have fun with the numbers a little bit. Uh, there are two Braves regulars with an OPS plus above 60. Um, which is not good. One of them is Freddie Freeman, who's 105. The other is Ronald Acuna, of course, 281. Um, so the Braves are a pretty good uh, social experiment right now in how far one guy can take you. Um, and the answer is, is not that far, but it's not going to be um, that one guy. Uh, Pablo Sandoval's OPS Plus, by the way, 401. Yeah. Um, so 
building his MVP case uh, <laughs> one day at a time. No, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I think it's, al- I, I just think it's always too early to worry about a bullpen in April. Um, we've talked about bullpens and, and their volatility. Like, I just think you're talking about a trade, Garrett, for for an arm or a move for an arm, and like that's totally valid and probably will happen at some point. But it's like that's a discussion we'll be having here in like you know two months, July, um, yeah, yeah, two three months, not you know however many games into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I'm I think the lineup will come around. I think the lineup will come around pretty quickly. Um, the rotation you know might take a little bit the bullpen might take a little bit we'll see but uh panic meter 3.2 see i'm not panicked about like them missing the playoffs i think they're gonna be fine i think they're when you look at the rest of the nl like i'm i'm not like i'm not the biggest reds believer at this point with their hot start um uh i i just i think the nl east is actually quietly gonna be less competitive than we thought um the nationals look like they're breaking the wrong way um i think they're there's a possibility that there's a real implosion there and they trade off some high price guys at uh, the deadline. Um, the Marlins still just aren't there. They're fun, but they're probably a year or two away from really contending for the East. And then um, the Phillies, I think, are falling back down to earth, being at 6-6 six and six now. And I think it's really just going to come down to the Mets and the Braves, and the Mets are going to outspend them. And I said the Mets were going to win this division before the season, but um, I don't know. I think it's just the Braves and the Mets are going to go at it, and I think the Braves will adjust. I think Alex Anthopoulos will adjust. But in terms of my panic of like whether or not I believe they can win a title, it's like, no, I, I think they're worse than they were last year, which is inherently a problem. And my thing is that, that like you just never know when that window is going to close. You just you assume that we're just going to be back and it's going to be fine, but you just you don't know and it's tougher and like the Padres and the Dodgers are just head and shoulders better than them right now and the Braves have work to do and if that like even if the lineup adjusts like Max points out that it probably will that's great but the rotation's not there the bullpen's not there that doesn't mean it won't always be there but as things stand right now you can't put the Braves in a category where it's like they they should be taken seriously as a team that can win a title this year. Like they still have to adjust. They have to make something out of the third base position. They have to figure out another bench bat. They have to figure out whether or not Albies is okay and healthy. Like I, I'm concerned about that. Um, there's some lineup questions. Snicker hasn't been great <laughs> to start off this year. He's made some really questionable decisions. Um, you need Freed to solve things because if Freed's pitching like this the rest of the year and Soroka has some rest, then the rotation's just not there and the rotation's just not going to be good enough to win a title. So it's just like all these unknowns still, that doesn't mean that it won't happen. It just means it's unknown and it means you have to be honest with where this team is right now. Like Acuna could win the MVP and the Braves could barely finish a couple games above 500. Like both things can be true. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what we I really also... need? Oh, Nick Martakis. Oh, absolutely not. Uh, what is this? Like, what, what, it's my birthday weekend and you're bringing... That puts us over the top. No, 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 no. Can't do it. To, it's my favorite to, joke. I'm sorry, to, go ahead. To, to play devil's advocate, not to play devil's advocate, but I guess I guess to add on to what you were saying, Chase, um, there's there's pretty much no move the Braves could have made this offseason that would have... Like, if you're tiering the NL, right, It's mm. the Braves are in the second tier. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what move they could have made that would have firmly put them in the first tier. Um, and maybe it exists, but even if it exists, like you, this Braves roster wasn't going to be more talented than the Dodgers roster. Um, and so what does that mean, right? It means that what you're saying, everything has to come together at the right time with the right players getting hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and health and all all those things would have been necessary regardless right so um I guess, you know, I'm with you in most of the most of the stuff about, you know, when your window's there, just take it. Um, and, and maybe they will. I mean, plenty of time to do that. Um, but nothing they would have done would have made, you know, this this roster more talented than the Dodgers. And, and nothing they would have done would have made them the, the, the sole favorite in the NL. No, and I don't think there's well, going to be a time for them to ever be the sole favorite. I don't think they'll ever spend enough to be a sole favorite in the NL. Right. No, but but the Dodgers the Dodgers have have had the most talent in the National League for what the better part of six years, and they've won one title. I mean, that's why I they've mean, gone to the because World there's Series, more though. to it than that. I mean, they keep going. <clears throat> yeah, like, they're they're, but they're they, going every yeah. year. But they're in it. They're in the in the series. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, but yeah, like you said, we're never going to outspend the Dodgers, and and as of late, we're not going to outspend the Padres. But I mean, uh, I think that the, the the biggest detriment to the Atlanta Braves this year. Uh, didn't come from anything the Braves could control. It was Manfred not enacting the designated hitter yeah, in the National hurts. League. That was really the biggest Is thing this gonna be was the X Adam factor Duvall? for this team last year. Um, I mean, Adam Duvall, I, I mean, we could have re-signed Adam Duvall. I think it's a, a small sample size from what he's done just just against the Braves. He's always played well at, at SunTrust Park. I mean, Truth just Park full-time rather, DH but... Pablo would have been nice this year. Yeah, that, that would have been fantastic. <laughs> just bring him in and let him hit. And I'm warning you. I'm warning you about the Pablo regression. It's it's coming. Oh it's no, not. it's coming. Oh, it's absolutely coming. It's not. He's got the varsity <laughs> down the street. He's gonna get his hot dogs. He's gonna get his stuff in there. As long as he stays. Once a certain... it gets once it starts getting really hot in here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be it's gonna it, there's gonna be a direct correlation I think between the temperature and his production. Yeah. Hey man, and I would bring him a varsity chili cheese dog mm. every single game if it means he hits a dinger. That's all that matters. God. <laughs> I will do it myself. Varsity. When was the last time y'all ate the varsity? No, no. Uh, it's, it's been, I live in Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. I don't. I don't go to the varsity. That's for I know. Accidents. It's weird. I have not had the varsity in so long. I I couldn't even tell you the last time I had it. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, very it's cool a buddy experience. of mine came in from out of town. Uh huh. That's I think the last time I went because he really wanted to go to the varsity. I'm like, all right, fine. All right. I guess <laughs> I'm gonna feel like shit for the next eight hours. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh god, it's terrible. You don't want to do never anything. Crave the varsity. You don't want to <laughs> eat at the varsity. You'll feel like shit. Um, yeah. Well, we'll see. I just, I think they're gonna have to. Do, you know what? I my quiet thing I'm monitoring is if the Nationals continue to just play poorly and really struggle. Is they have the arms who are under contract that like the Braves should give up prospect capital for? Because I think the Nationals right now have the worst farm system in baseball. I think they're per key flaw number thirty. And they could really use some of these uh, Braves prospects and the Bryce Wilsons, the Kyle Wrights, the Drew Waters, um, the guys who are blocked, um, one of the catchers. And if you can go get Strasburg or you can get um, – I, I would stay away from Scherzer because this is the last year of his deal. But that seems more of like an Alex Anthopoulos thing to get the last year of Scherzer to go for it. But I'm like, yeah, I, w- I don't want to give up a lot of prospect capital for a one-year rental of Scherzer. Um or even Corbin. Like, I just, I'm monitoring those three and hope the Braves in a couple months start uh, getting serious about moving on from some of these guys because I think that's what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to make some tough calls in the next month or two to really get them on par with the rest of uh, the contenders in the NL is they're going to have to part with some of these these prospects. Do you really see them making a trade in division? No. Why not? No, Why do I, teams I do that? Why do people care? If, you're, if the Cause, prospect cause if capital you... is good, who cares? Because if you, you miss and you and you send them Drew Waters and he becomes like I don't know like the next I, I don't know some great fantastic player, 
then all of a sudden it's going to be hanging over your head for the rest. I don't like, think so. You have to play so many damn you never times. know, man. Like you never know. Like until they get called up, and that's like Christian Pache. He's not ready. Like he's not there. And now he's the groin issues. Like he was not good to start the year. And it's groin, he's injured, and you're like, this is what we were talking about before the season, this is what I was saying, where I'm like, the idea that the Braves are going to hit on all these guys, especially right away, it's just unlikely. Like, you hit on Acuna, you hit on Albies, you hit on some of these guys, but, like, it's really hard to hit on multiple young guys. You need to have this balance of vets and young guys, and the Braves just don't have a good balance right now. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm concerned that you can't even bet on Pache the rest of the year. Like, I don't know if you can wait. But, can you afford to wait on him? But all... All those hits are independent of, of each other. Like yeah. so, so, just because yeah. Acuna and Albie's hit um, doesn't have any any bearing on whether Pache will hit, or even um, Anderson or any other. And and yeah, and and probability wise, yeah, you're right. You know, not all of them are going to hit, but one hitting before the other doesn't mean that Drew Waters isn't going to be a stud, right? Um, but if you so still you won have, a title because you but, gave away a stud for Patrick Corbin or no, Strasburg no, or whoever, who cares? Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. I, I think the the discussion about like the Nats aren't dealing Strasburg to the Braves because the Nats don't want to like they probably think they're going to retool and and you know be back in contention for the East and they don't want to see Steven Strasburg. No. Over I don't think they can. The that roster. I mean, this is it. If you look at the amount of guys, like Scherzer's gone after this year. Like this, they're going through a long rebuild very soon. I don't think the Nats. Yeah, but are... but if the Nats are dealing Strasburg. Um, they'll, a, there'll be plenty of, I mean, I, I'd imagine there'll be plenty of suitors. Mm. B, I don't think the Braves are eating that contract. And C, why? I need answers. Liberty Media, I come mean, on this do, podcast, I, you cowards. Explain to me why you would not eat Strasburg's <laughs> contract. What are the Braves spending habits over the last, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years? I mean, yeah. they're, they're not, they're not eating that contract. And, and, and to my first point, if there are plenty of suitors, like, and the offers are relatively comparable. They're dealing him out of division, and they're dealing him out of out of league if they can. That's just that's just how teams operate. They just don't want to play him. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't. How many? I, I can't even remember the last time. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure it's happened at some point, but I can't remember the last time someone de- de- dealt a, a player within the division. I, I, I mean, name the sport. I mean, mm. outside of like maybe basketball, which I mean, it doesn't really the divisions are. Eh. But you have the Eastern and the Western. But it's it's like in the NFL. Like I don't know the last time the I don't know the Patriots made trades with the 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 Bills or something. I don't know. It just doesn't seem a, like. Do you think we get a, sne- a sneaky Falcon Saints trade one of these days? Hell no. Hell Why? no. I don't want to. I don't want to trade to the Saints. I don't want to help them. I don't want to do anything that could ever potentially no, help. No. If Ryan Ramsey comes available and it's just how like, many, yeah, no. Why? Why how many first round picks with? How many first-round picks would the Saints have to offer for you to move off of four to them? All of them for the next decade. Screw them. Oh I don't care. Oh, my God. I hate them. No, I'm not going to help them. Max, we're not allowing Garrett <laughs> ever in the front office of any Atlanta sports team. Not allowed. No. Garrett's out. <laughs> I'll do it for five. Five first-rounders. Five first-rounders. That's it's no like a brutal. New Orleans Saints tax. <laughs> Oh I yeah, mean, we have to watch. We have to watch Justin Fields play the Falcons for the next fifteen years. Like I, uh, five first rounders is, is the minimum. I'd do that. I would do that. Oh man. I don't oh know. god. No. I, the there is a yeah. there is a bona fide mm-hmm. New Orleans Saints tax. That's absolutely what it is. Very quickly, <laughs> very very quickly on the Falcons. We'll wrap up here, guys. Um, Cordero Patterson, our new left tackle. Are we excited? <laughs> Over under one uh, kick return for a touchdown. What do you think? Uh, uh, I'm going to say I mean, 
under because like it the i mean we were texting about this like i love great having a great kick returner and everything but like so many of these balls go out of the end zone now it just i it's just i don't know if i'll get enough reps i don't know if i'll get enough opportunities well, the biggest thing is it's not that that, that it's not that he's going to come in and, and score touchdowns on kick returns. It's mm-hmm. it's that he's going to potentially set us up on, I don't know, the 30-yard line, maybe the 34, maybe get us to the 40. I don't know. It, it's it, We have been consistently behind the eight ball when it comes to our special teams. I, I think ever since we lost Devin Hester, we really haven't been able to get that magic in the punt return game or the kick return game. And at, at that kind of thing just – sets up some momentum for drives and and it's just fun to watch too i mean it, it whenever i i can sit down and actually watch the kickoff and not stand up go to the bathroom go get a beer or something then i, I think that's a good thing but i don't know i really like him for special teams coverage i know that's kind of boring but the guy's a dog dude the guy gets down the field he makes tackles he's he's a tough tough guy and he got 60 carries at running back last year so i don't know he's, he's a dynamic weapon you can do a lot did you did you watch any of those carries though they were Hell no. No. I mean, I he's watched, not good, I watched a lot of Bears. You watched, why were you watching a lot of your Bears? Heart, dude. I don't, I don't doing? know. I don't know. I had David Montgomery in my fantasy, which was another thing. But uh, anyway, anyway. He killed me Patterson. two years ago. God. <laughs> David Montgomery. Um, God. Yeah, he sucks. He, oh. <laughs> yeah, he sucks. Man, he um, pissed me off. On Cordero <laughs> Patterson, um, I wanted to say that yeah, I, th- I I think um, as I was texting you guys, I think it's the kind of uh, it's the kind of move that's like you think well, you'll get excited about. You're more um, of a Harmon guy. I love the Deron Harmon signing. I want to spend five like minutes that. talking about that. I just I just think that that's the exact kind of signing the Falcons uh, should be making. Like like you know with with the limited resources they have, they get a guy who. I saw someone tweeted out, I forget who, his his PFF grades over the last however many years. Um, and they're like, you know what you're getting. You're getting a high-end backup or a low-end starter. There's no volatility there. And that's the kind of guy that you pair with like a young safety who they draft. You hope the young safety eventually beats them out. But if they don't, you're not getting screwed. Um, and for however many, you know, pocket change, I guess, um, you're getting someone who can start for you and be competent um and that's the kind of signings that I'm, I'm glad the falcons are making with what they have i remember what i was about to say about cordell patterson though which is i thought it was the funniest thing ever that every every article headline every notification was like falcon sign four-time pro bowler to one-year <laughs> deal and it's like oh oh he was a, he was an all-pro uh kick returner he was not an all-pro receiver he was not an all-pro running back um but yeah but he brings a lot to your team. He's just dynamic and he's fun. Yeah. I don't know, but no, I I, I just love the consistency the, the the consistency that Harm Harm brings. Like it's just gonna he's a guy who's gonna be exactly what you know which which what you need. And like this defense has never been consistent. And I think having somebody like that, especially at safety where we're completely depleted, uh, I think it's gonna be nice and kind of refreshing. Here's the question, though. Yeah. Who the hell is going to rush the passer? Grady Jarrett. Aziz Ojolari, once we trade back and take him in the first uh, round. No, no, no. Uh, I, th- <laughs> I, th- I, think 
I think at I this know. point I would be kind of demoralized, even if we got a huge haul, if our first-round pick ended up being Aziz Ojolari. I mean, if we, if we get a massive Pat trade. McKinley stacking up sack numbers with Jadavian Clowney and uh, Miles Garrett now playing together, that he's just going to sneak in and like no. get her, mess around and get 11 sacks because teams are focused on everybody else. Uh, that's going to bother me. That'd be, that would be very Falcons. Yes, that would be that very, would Falcons. Be very Falcons. Oh, God. Like, but can I you imagine that's explaining a... to somebody two years ago that Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett would be the two edge rushers on the team? Like, that's insane that these two are going to be on opposite ends like that. That's... Well, really, what has Jadavian Clowney actually done? Well, no, what I'm saying NFL? is just, like, what they were even just two years ago and how big these two dudes are. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> those two on the yeah. edge is just, like, you see what is Jada... side. The man is just – the man has been nothing but hype since he's been in the NFL. Oh. I mean, he's, he's a good player. He's yeah. a good player, but it's like – I, I mean, come on. He's not J.J. Watt. <laughs> I mean, he's he's not he's not Miles he's not even Miles Garrett. I mean, like he's not like this. I mean, J.J. Watt isn't even J.J. Watt. No. Well, not anymore. But J.J. Watt was a stud, like a bona fide stud. Even and they played yeah. together, and, and and still Jadavian Clowney couldn't really do all that much. How many double digit sack years has he had? I mean, I, I know that's not really the, the big thing that he does per se, but it's like he's going to run. He's going to uh, yeah. That's what everyone says. Fun. I know, but it's. I mean, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't get the flash and the hype. And Do you the, remember the, there was this uh, bowl game that Jadavian Clowney had um, when he was at South Carolina? I think it was his last South Carolina game. And oh, there was, my like, God. There was a blue and yellow team that he just, like, blew <laughs> up. Smith, like, he, baby. He just came Vincent out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, God. I love that it. Crazy. I think it was the Michigan Wolverines. And he snatched Wolverines. the ball with one hand like a, like yeah. a robot. Yeah. yeah Dude, yeah. that was, without a doubt, still, still to this day, the most – just bone crushing hit that I've ever seen in my life. But it, but it, in all seriousness, it does go to show you like you don't know, you don't know what happens with these guys' careers as we approach the draft. Like you don't know. Yeah. Like I would have bet anything that Jadavian Clowney would become one of the best rush uh, pass rushers in, in the NFL. Um, and he, I, he's had a really good career. I think that um, this the sack numbers are a little bit misleading about sort of his pressure numbers have always been really good when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. But like you know, he's he's been a a, a very good uh, edge rusher in the NFL. He has never been like an elite one, and I would have bet anything that he'd become elite. Well, he's um, the traveling salesman of of defensive ends. I mean, the dude has been on what five teams now. I mean, and it's like one year deal, one year deal, one year deal, and it just never really plays forward. You know, I mean, I mean never... it's also because he can't stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, which is a bummer. I mean, the guy was always like a freak of nature when he was at South Carolina. I mean, I remember watching him. Uh, I went to the Georgia-South Carolina game maybe ooh, his junior year. It's a great football game. and my, my older brother was a student at the time, and so we got student tickets. We were down on the lower level, and I remember looking at Jadavian Clowney, and the guy was just an absolute monster. He was huge. I mean, what is he, like 6'6 or something? And he just towered over everybody. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, this guy's, this guy's for real. I mean, like this guy's good. Um, but like Max, like you said, I mean, just there's so much uncertainty. Like you really don't know what a player is going to be, or I mean, it's just the volatility of the draft. It's always the most fascinating part, and it's it's the NFL is a brutal place. <laughs> That's one thing you take from it. Yes. All right. Well, we'll have to end it there, guys. But thank you as always for the time for that guy Garrett Chapman for that other guy the number one podcaster that I podcast with on Atlanta Sports every <laughs> single Friday morning Max Markovich that is all I've got I am off to the mountains 
You guys have yourself a great weekend, and I will be in my 30s when we rejoin this podcast. (laughs) Happy birthday, bro. Happy birthday. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.